1: This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. Pow, pow,
0: pow. I'm Sam Lady. so what?
1: Welcome along to the second episode of the Owen Odyssey, Michael Owen's autobiography reboot. Whereas you correctly identified last week, Sam, Michael Owen tries to reinvent himself, you know, as a um, mm. a cool leather jacket wearing. Ed- edgy. Motorbike riding, sunglasses Cig- wearing.
0: Cigarette smoking.
1: <laughs> Edgelord.
0: Based in his new characteristics, mainly on Sid Snot off of Kenny Everett.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know the way he used to try and throw the fag into and his catch mouth? It, cool style. Up and catching yeah. his
1: gob. And he did it once, didn't yeah. he? He did,
0: He did yeah. it once.
1: And he looked stunned Sid and he'd done it. Sid Snot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, this is the second one. Last week we looked at the build-up to the 98 World Cup and the training camp at uh, La Manga. And now this is chapter five in the book, where the tournament starts, and um, Michael gets involved as a fresh face. Was he eighteen at the time? I think.
0: Yeah, I think he might 18? have even been younger. I think he broke Was he in at seventeen. Seventeen. I up. mean, it's one of the most people do forget. I mean, Michael Owen's rise to stardom is one of the greatest footballing stories of a generation. Yeah. I mean, you know. In the end, he was it was sort of almost matched by Rooney. Rooney probably had a more successful career overall, yeah. but but Owen, no one shot onto the scene quite like Owen did.
1: He was eighteen. I just had a little look.
0: Okay, so, so I think 18. he was seventeen when he made his debut yeah. for England, yeah, and then he was eighteen by the time he went to the uh, World Cup.
1: Uh, he scored on his debut in May '97, so that was at the end of the '96-'97 season, but then. Uh, in his first full season which was 97-98 he was joint top scorer in Mm. the Premier League so it was just
0: bang! I think I um, I think I saw him play at the beginning of that season I weirdly ended up at a Crystal Palace versus Liverpool game for reasons I can't remember Mm. I think it was like a Palace friend of mine had some spares or something and you know what it's like after the summer like Probably West Ham weren't playing that day, and after some you're so gagging for football that for the first couple of weeks of a football season, you're like, I will go to any football I'll take match.
1: Anything. yeah.
0: I went I think I went to Palace Liverpool and I remember seeing Michael Owen score a penalty mm. and being shocked at times as Because well, I was only vaguely aware of his name. And he started because there was injuries, and that was quite a big story that they were starting this seventeen year old. And I think they might have won one nil or draw one all. But I remember they got the penalty and they handed the ball to him. Yeah. Which was fucking insane. Let the kid take It's like, it. why are they letting the kid yeah. take the penalty? He scored it. So I knew. I knew that that man had, that, that boy, child. that man child had what it took.
1: But I mean, he's, he's almost been erased from Liverpool history now because they can't stand him because he played for Manchester United. Yes. Which is
0: yes. weird.
1: But there you are.
0: It's really weird yeah but he go I mean he goes into that a huge amount Does he later all in this book get to that yeah. then. <laughs> he, he's aware he, he's very aware of it and he's obviously disgruntled and disappointed by it because mm. if you are part of the uh Liverpool sort of hall of fame then there's a huge amount of benefits in it for you I think mm. you know the gods of this club the men who walked down that feet that famous tunnel and touched the this is Anfield sign <laughs> and scored in front of the cop on those uh, on those nights that, that in the cauldron atmosphere yeah. the cop the cop
1: that was yeah. built by Sir John Cop with his bare yeah. hands back in 1862.
0: And he, the cop was once stood upon by John Lannon, Salah Black, John Bishop, Tommy Tabor, Tom O'Connor. Aaron. <laughs> they all stood there hands <laughs> off Cherie Blair <laughs> All of the Beatles <laughs>
1: But um, um, well, he was an Everton fan when he was a kid so fuck him You know those don't support Everton then sign for Liverpool and then get the hump when they tell you to fuck off.
0: Yeah, but they go you know, that the men who've done that are elevated in our hearts <laughs> to God's status. <laughs> Robbie Fowler, Ian Rush, <sighs> Ian St John. <sighs> These men are gods. Not Michael Owen, though. He's <laughs> a John Aldridge, <laughs> Carl Heinz Riedler. Roger Hunt I could do this all day I love it Les Dennis Just saying names of Liverpool strikers I, th- I
1: think Les Dennis is a scout soon as well Him too
0: Mario Balotelli <laughs> Danny Ings Ricky Lambert.
1: <laughs> yeah we could do that all day But let's die eh? mm. uh, Yeah we're at the uh, We're at the 1998 World Cup Sam In France Yeah and uh, Michael says in the book as Glenn had intimated I sat on the bench for the vast majority of the first game at Lestad Velodrome uh, against Tunisia Shea was scored in the first half and then Skoolsey added a bit of gloss to the performance with a last minute curler to kill off a spirit of Tunisia side I remember watching that in the pub actually
0: oh yeah I remember watching that at my, mate's Joe, it, my mate Joe's house it wasn't vivid it, vivid it memory it wasn't
1: a spectacular start it was workmanlike, wasn't it they got the job done and they got the result
0: yeah yeah it, England World Cups often start that way yeah. we don't like set everything apart. there's a lot of stress and tension about the team but I remember Skulls' second goal very well because Skulls was only just emerging after they, as we talked about in the last episode dropped Gaza no one quite knew who was going fill, to fill the role mm. of the creative uh, linchpin and it turned out to be Skulls, who when he first played for United had played up front. He did, yeah. And, and, but no one at the time regarded Skulls as anything more than a, a promising youngster. Mm. And I think Hoddle must have seen something in him and it must have informed his decision to drop Gazza a lot mm. because he thought, this guy's got the lot. Yeah, He, he couldn't go up pace past people like Gascoigne, but he was probably... In some ways, better that in terms of his way of like dictating a game from midfield, yeah. And but at the time, we didn't know how brilliant he was going to be. And then he scored an absolute fucking peach of a goal in this game.
1: I think as well, Hoddle Lilla realized that schools didn't have any kind of off field reliance on wine and sleeping pills, and exactly. Playing video That's games, so that probably was a tick in his box yeah, as well,
0: yeah. Yeah, he thought, <laughs> I can rely on a man like Scalzi. Yeah. He doesn't need a special Scalzi room <laughs> stocked up with wine <laughs> and pills. rig. Yeah.
1: But, um, yeah, and a little bit earlier in the book as well, he, um, Ho- Owen says that Hoddle had said that um, basically Shearer and Sheringham are me, me, me partnership, but they're there to be broken up. That's your job mm. is to put pressure on them and and uh, take the place of one of them.
0: Mm.
1: So, um he, and he said, coming on in this scenario, he came on as a sub. Uh, it was a no-win situation. Uh, as good as it was to be comfortable in the game, because I wanted to start the next game, I needed us to be drawing nil-nil so that I could come on and score the winner. As it was, I was sent on there in the boiling heat just to keep the ball and kill the game. I like that. That's a bit of a change from when you get footballers as say. Uh, or they get interviewed after a match, and say, well, you scored two goals today, but uh, how are you feeling about that? And they all go, well, you know, that's nice to get the goals, but it's all about the team getting the win. That's the main thing for me. He's gone. Yeah. I wish I'd come on and scored the winner here.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what he says all the way through the book, which is one of the things in this book that I do respect him for. Yeah. Because he, he is very, like, his whole mindset, you do you do get very deep inside Michael Owen's mindset oh. in this. And there's not much to discover. It's not like being in Roy Keane's it's, mindset. It's a very
1: roomy mind. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it but what it is is that he is completely tunnel visioned about goals. That's yeah. all he's interested in. And he's interested in his own goal scoring. Mm. And I think obviously you need that. That's what drives you. You know, those real like, you know, amazing goal scorers, they all have that. And that and he's very frank about it. He goes, All I cared about was my own goal scoring. There's a hell That's of a lot to be
1: said for that. When when we had Kevin yeah. Phillips at Sunderland, he was a similar player at all and he would just be Johnny on the spot and he'd be there he'd put the ball in the net he had the knack of being mm. in the right place at the right time and he'd, he'd finish nine times out of ten and he'd get a goal and then as yeah. it went on we'd had two seasons in the Premier League and he started trying to um, build his, his all-round game up and he started to come deep more often and pick the ball up yeah. and start to bring other players yeah. in and he was never the West same Dam player have, again
0: West Ham have got the problem at the moment like, we've signed this player Halaire and he cost 45 million quid mm. and he can't score hmm. right and in fact he's not really doing much at all people are pissed off with him and you think how the fuck did we spend 45 million quid on him but now a lot of the hipsters have got involved on Twitter oh, right, Yeah, and, and have sent because he played for Eintracht Frankfurt which of course the hipsters love they've produced right? some spreadsheets they've produced some spreadsheets <laughs> to demonstrate why the reason he was brilliant at Eintracht Frankfurt is he had a strike partner and his job was very simple it was to stay in the box and score goals and now he's played he's put up front on his own yeah and he his job is actually the goal scoring bit is sort of secondary Mm -hmm. he's supposed to hold the ball up lay it off and bring others into the game so he has to run the whole front line on his own he's constantly knackered Mm -hmm. he looks like he's got the fucking hump about Mm -hmm. being asked to do it to be honest and so it is a case of you bought a player on the basis of how he played at one club, yeah. and then you bought him for a huge amount of money and asked him to do something very different for you. Was waste of money. But, generally speaking, it's like what you're saying. It's like, all this other stuff that strikers are supposed to do these days, completely overrated. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a Gary Lineker. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, but it's, but it's that, that two up top things an anomaly now. We don't have players, teams that play with two up top. All these forwards are that one man forward line that's supposed to be able to do everything. You know well,
0: what? I hate it. Yeah. It's it's like okay. when I look at the things in the modern game that I hate. Obviously, <laughs> number one is VAR, right? But number two, no, actually, number one is fan parks. <laughs> Let's not get too deep into. This. We'll think too many things. But right up there is the trend for lone strikers. Yeah. I want two strikers. Yeah, I want I two want strikers want a, in any a, team I watch. And I don't want a big man and a little man. I want a big cunt. <laughs> yeah. right. And I want a nippy little one. Yeah. I want the big cunts of bully defenders, flick it on and the little ones tap them in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'll accept a sort of a Lineker Beardsley where one's a finisher and the other one's a creator. Go on then, yeah. Um, um, McAvenny and Cotty, yeah. they were both quite small. And Shearer and sherringham of course. One, a loud loudmouth Cockney. The other one, a grumpy Geordie. Yeah. Ah, a bit like us. I mean, I'm not calling Swell, you a Geordie. Yeah, I'll, but- I'll
1: take that, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm just referring basically to Quinn and Phillips because that's the best partnership I've ever Quinn seen. Quinn and Phillips was, was a classic brilliant. on
0: that. Absolute classic. And it was
1: when Quinn started to get injured a bit more that Phillips started to come deep and sort of change his game because he had to yeah. because that big man wasn't there anymore. You
0: should, have just, you should have just got another Quinn. I mean, actually, you can find them. You can go down into the lower divisions and yeah. find that. I mean, no disrespect to Quinn, but you can get a reserve Quinn. Yeah. I don't know. I'm now like literally like it's still the early noughties or late 90s and I'm talking well, in about our, in it like really it's a real it thing
1: really is, isn't it? it's
0: too late now in my, yeah in our minds it's always the mid 90s
1: <laughs> where were we uh, yeah so he, he just wants to be the hero he wants to get on and just score goals and he doesn't really give a fuck about the about the team yeah. um, he says oh well then there's a little bit of criticism of Glenn Hoddle comes next it's just, at this stage, it's important to mention that if the gaffer had a weakness at all, as brilliant a tactician as he was, it was that he thought everybody should be as good as he was. And he was bloody mm. good. This has been said before about Hoddle, hasn't it? And yeah, it's, it's said about a lot of managers that, that don't really succeed because they were extraordinary players and then they, they end up being coaches or managers and they, they can't get their heads around the fact that their their charges aren't as good as I think
0: but especially if you're Hoddle someone shared a clip the other day I'm going to dig out I think I retweeted it about Hoddle it was the best bits of Hoddle while he played for Monaco Mm. and it was so amazing I mean you see a lot of clips nowadays on football uh, on Twitter and YouTube of players doing outrageous things but Hoddle I mean it took the piss it was like you know it was beyond anything you've seen like not just he was famous for those long passes wasn't he but the fucking flicks he did were just outrageous he he he, he was an incredible fucking player and it was unfair of him yeah to compare himself to but, anyone and else and when he
1: was there as well France was the place in Europe to go for that sort of football wasn't it that was where the exotic yeah. skillful football was all played spain Do and you remember not who so he... much
0: do you remember who he went with, though? Who the other English lad at Monaco playing under Arsene Wenger was at the same time as Hoddle? I can't remember. Mark Haitley.
1: Fucking hell, yeah.
0: And that's weird, isn't it? Because you couldn't get... Of that generation of English players, they're probably polar opposites. Yeah. Because Hoddle was all grace and culture and skill. And Haitley is almost like the quintessential big man yeah, up that front. was big man, not it
1: yeah. We had, and
0: I think he had been at AC Milan, weirdly, <clears throat> and then he went to fucking Monaco under Arsene Wenger. Yeah, yeah. Arsene Wenger was the manager, so he obviously saw something in Hatley, yeah.
1: I mean, we when we had Quinn, our number two big man was uh, Diccio. Oh,
0: Danny yeah. Diccio, who Danny was kind of like the
1: poor man's Hitley.
0: <laughs> he was, yeah. He had long hair. He, yeah. he fancied himself as something of a DJ. Yeah when he was away from the game didn't he and he um, and he also claimed to to be Italian which he thought made him seem more glamorous
1: thing is though in that that season the season we went up with 105 points from the championship Mm. Phillips and Quinn were both injured for a long time and Diccio and Michael Bridges were our front two and we still kept doing it
0: there you go Bridges he was a good player I liked him he should have played for England I don't know what happened to him. Got Was by, he played it, by injury? Got a bad injury
1: yeah. Oh. One season at Leeds and he got a bad injury. Uh we should do we should do a podcast about the old Premier League season, shouldn't we?
0: We should, <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting. I'm quite enjoying it. <laughs> I
1: don't know what we call it though. Jalapeno. he thought everyone should be as good as he was. I think this is something that was levelled at Roy Keane as well, when Keane was managing, he would get frustrated that the yeah. players weren't doing what he wanted them to do because they fucking couldn't. Or they didn't have that same level of desire and hunger that he had because he was fucking mad. Um, so, yeah, he says um, Hoddle had um, devised a complex free kick routine whereby Bex was going to run up and hit it while Schools was to put his foot right in front of the ball, the Gaffer's idea was: when it hit Schools's foot, the ball would acquire massive amounts of topspin that would send yeah. it up, then bring it rapidly down. It's clever. Wow! It's very clever. Wow! Um, yeah. We started practicing this. He says after a few goes, Bex couldn't do it. Then Scholes, he tries it, he couldn't do it either. Meanwhile, the Gaffer started to lose his head a little because he could do it, but nobody else could.
0: Why can't you do it, lads? Yes, I'm, I'm losing my head here. Yeah. It's quite simple. Very easy. You just put topspin on the ball. You're in a situation. That's what Glenn always says, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Situation. It's his favourite word. He goes, "We're in a no topspin situation here, mm. and it's a situation that I am struggling to deal with." Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Bex is like, I don't. I've never even heard of topspin before. You're making it sound like tennis. I'm only young.
1: I don't know how to do it He's, um, there's a quote there from Glenn he says uh, okay you clearly can't do it he said just do what you normally do so just fucking did a free kick and I think um, Beckham then did that didn't he? he scored a great free kick in that tournament was it against Romania Who was
0: um... it he played after that Tune, yeah, it, no, we played
1: Colombia. That was it, yeah. It was
0: we them, lost to, were, to Romania and then we played Colombia and we 2-0. had to win to get through. And what I remember about that was, was that he'd dropped Beckham for Anderton mm. at the beginning of the tournament, which everyone thought was really out of order because Beckham was the one who'd helped them qualify. But he was playing wing-backs and he decided Anderton was a better option at wing-back. Right. And... And everyone was getting pissed off about it. And then in Columbia, in the Colombia game, having lost to um, Romania, he had to bring the changes. So he, he decided to actually continue with Anderton on the right, but bring Beckham into central midfield. Yeah. So he could play both of them. And I think it was both of them that scored. I think Anderton scored a pretty good goal to put us 1-0 up. And then... Um, Beckham scored a classic Beckham a free, free kick. kick didn't he yeah. um,
1: of course if any of these things that we're talking about are factually incorrect and you are one of the lampards who listens to us please don't get in touch and try and correct us because we don't we give a give shit we give no
0: fucks whatsoever um, who scored, when they scored well, it's well, all fucking well, irrelevant well, what do
1: you want us to do, put out an extra episode where we read out your factual <laughs> corrections like that bit in the yeah, Guardian you, where they have a fucking reader's corrections yeah
0: they call it Lampard's Corner. Yeah. <laughs> right, listen, you... Actually, that's quite a good item for the show, <laughs> Lampard's Corner. Yeah. And we just collect, voice. like, bullshit that people have done. We'll play a little bit of mu- irritating music underneath and we'll just do it in the Lampard voice and read out everyone's pedantic complaints or yeah. corrections. Anyway... Um, We don't care It doesn't matter You're listening to the wrong podcast Bear in mind that last summer We filmed about two months Talking about a football tournament That had been imagined by my son Who was seven at the time
1: Yeah exactly So we
0: we literally talk about shit That's made up
1: Most of the time Let's see you try and factually correct us on that You fuckers Yeah But we'll bring that back in the summer Because it annoyed a few people
0: Well yeah but actually Earth tournament this year Which is Do you remember where it's being held?
1: Oh is it India?
0: Yeah, it's in India. <laughs> um, Earth tournament. The branding's already been more or less completed. There's, it. A, there's a yeah. There's a new mascot. Um, <laughs> he's got a really funny name. I can't remember what it is, but I'll let you know soon. And also, sorry, I should have given you more of a heads up on this, but for reasons that are inexplicable to me, Earth tournament this year is starting in March.
1: All right. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is this to do with the,
1: as a result of Qatar in 2022, the World Cup being moved? Has there been influence from that? Do you think?
0: Uh, it, I don't know. I don't think it's influenced in the least by events in the real world. Len
1: just wants to get on with it.
0: I, I think that's really what it is. <laughs> I mean, I asked him, <laughs> and he sort of. He kind of tried to babble something to ma- make it make sense, but I think he just misses Earth yeah. tournament and he wants it back ASAP. Yeah, I think he's and he's come us. up with this mascot for it, and so he's, you know, he's like, "Let's get it on, let's let's do this." Won't be long, no. And I said, "But what about the league season in Big Galaxy? He goes, they just they just pause it while the World yeah. Cup, while the Earth tournament happens." Do we know so. how
1: long Earth tournaments due to go on for this year? Is it like four months or something? Because it was long last year, wasn't it? They had a big break in the middle yeah. of it.
0: Yeah, I hope it doesn't happen like that again because you, they, after they got through the semi final stage, that wasn't there like a month before the final, month, yeah. and they all went home. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: which I think is maybe why they ended up losing to Morocco in that final because I think that they had momentum, <laughs> they did. and then the momentum was totally gone by the time they came yeah. back to Mexico.
1: That's what we've learned from that. Um yeah so there's a bit there where he says at this point in my career i knew little about many other players defenders attributes whether they were left-footed or right-footed didn't even enter my mind even if they had these attributes wouldn't have concerned me at all because i was so confident about what i could do i just thought i'll run past you and that was it that was his game at the time it was i'm really fucking fast and i'm great at shooting
0: and that was it <laughs> and that was that was why he's... I know that that's his whole thing it's brilliant because <laughs> when he was a kid what he did was he his dad had been a pro but like you know at a pretty low level I think his dad might have played a few times for Everton but so his dad was one of those dads who was very competitive and drove him to practice mm. football non-stop but what he reckons he did was he practiced alone Um, shooting at high speed from every single possible angle in every single possible scenario. So, you know, from each side, um, from crosses, from through balls, uh, six yards out, 18 yards out, every single thing he reckoned that he'd practiced to death on his own. Yeah. Right? And uh, in, in the garden. So, I mean, he gets to this in a minute when he describes his goal against Argentina. So he reckons that that practice combined with his unnatural speed mm. meant that he could, he knew how to score no matter what, and he always knew, he always knew when a goal was coming because he could Ooh. see it three stages before. He never had any go, go right, this is going to be a goal now.
1: Cosmos telling him,
0: yeah, <laughs> it Cosmos, he used to, Chessy it used to called do that it.
1: thing as well when you were a kid and you were like doing sprinting at school. They tell you to like make yeah, keep your hands flat so they're almost like blades do you know what i mean and he used to run like that yes
0: oh yeah that's a great way to run tom cruise runs like that doesn't he yeah yeah to get that a um, little
1: bit extra aerodynamic oh, quality
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna start running like that when i go for my little <laughs> jogs by the river but it'll look really funny because when i go jogging i jog really slowly yeah
1: you're gonna stop because
0: <laughs> i'm just gonna start doing a short big, man but if I run quite slowly, but with my blade hands, blade hands. it might look a bit <laughs> yeah. better. <laughs>
1: yeah, it'll look really good. I hope good. that
0: the other local runners will take to calling me blade yeah, hands when comes, they see me. Yeah, here he
1: comes, blade hands. Wow, he's actually yeah. running today. He's not sitting under a tree talking to the tree. Yeah. I might do that as well, because I think i get back into running again. I've signed up for a 10k in a couple of months.
0: Have you? Yeah. Mate, that's amazing. I didn't know... Um that you were still—I knew that you'd started. I didn't know how it was right, going. Kind
1: of, it fell away a bit when we went off, on tour last November.
0: Yeah, it's hard to keep and things I to up.
1: Yeah, and I've got this ten k looming.
0: Yeah, it's good to sign up to something. So, is it in Sunderland? Yeah. The 10k
1: Yeah, around all the. Um, I think it's a it's a course that's kind of um, defined by all the Greg's shops.
0: Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and when is off. it? Where, and when is I it think next it's in month May. or like March? Oh in May. All right, you got plenty of time. Yeah, of
1: course, no problem probably won't do it
0: um
1: there we are say <laughs> <laughs> 20 you know
0: when I uh, 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 a few years ago i signed that same thing i wanted to get fit i'd had a long period of like letting myself go and i thought so i wanted to get fit and so uh, same same idea i signed up and i had done a couple of 10ks in the past so i decided to sign up for a half marathon <laughs> and i signed up for a half marathon and i i thought the way to make sure that i do this half marathon and don't just not turn up mm. on the day, which is all too easy to do, is talk about it out loud. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I... think that's what I, I've just done uh, there. Yeah. And so what I did was, I was doing drive time on talk radio at the time, so I started talking about it, but talking about every day. And we even turned it into a weekly feature, right? Which was, I can't remember what we call it, it was Sam's Run Club or something. And each week we had a different expert on whether it was a nutritional expert or whatever um talking giving me tips about preparing for my half marathon mm. right making a really big deal out of it then when it was getting to the day we've been doing this over six weeks and i was updating on my training because i've been running every day and it got to the point where we were um where it was the weekend i was doing it and everyone was on tentacles about it And I fucking turned up on the day, and there was no one there, and I'd just got the wrong day, (laughs) and the half marathon had happened the week before. Oh, you missed
1: it! Shit,
0: I missed it. I missed it, and I had to go into to the show on Monday and announce, "Yeah, I didn't do the half marathon. Sorry, I've been talking about. I just got day wrong. but I did it. We ended up doing our.
1: just ran the route. Well, that's
0: what that's what we did the next week. The next week. We ran the route, but because I was worried that I could, it occurred to me that because it wasn't an official one, I could just turn up on the radio and say, hi everyone, just so you know, I ran 13 miles at the weekend, because that could just be bollocks. Um, I made the producers come, Mm -hmm. and the newsreader, and uh, some of the guests from the show as well. Yeah, you
1: were quite power crazy back then, weren't you?
0: I was pretty power crazy and it was quite funny because I ran it in Richmond Park. It was basically two laps of Richmond Park and the two producers, Mark and Ricky, who of course you know, um, they hired a tandem bike
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they cycled behind me. <laughs> Did they have
1: megaphones as well? Shout out to you and encourage you. That'd be Well, cool.
0: their bike broke. I think they were too heavy for it. Their bike broke like about a quarter of the way into the run, so they disappeared. And then the newsreader Victoria Bourne, remember her? Oh yeah. She's on the BBC now. She she came and joined me halfway through.
1: I did a bit of running.
0: She ran in normal civilian clothes in an overcoat. (laughs) Just which was very humbling to me because I was battered. Yeah. She just did it without breaking sweat. And I got and I led her down a I led her accidentally onto a golf course. We got lost. There's photos of us having to climb out over a fence, <laughs> like in from this golf course because I'd taken her the wrong route. It was a, it was a, yeah, I mean, it was an absurd carry on. But I made it in the it's end. entertaining
1: though, isn't it? That's what it's all about. Yeah. We're in the entertainment yeah. business. It's Sam. all
0: about content, mate. It's, it's all, all about, about
1: content. Us. And uh, I think this piece of content's come to an end now because we're about to do the Argentina game. Uh, we haven't got time to get through it all in this episode, so no, we'll, we
0: got to, we can't just cover that no, up in two minutes. No, we can't bang that anyway. Then the played against Argentina. He scored the best ever World Cup goal. Bye. <laughs> yeah.
1: Next week we'll go back to Ripley's. Um, so yeah, we'll just leave it there. I think. Which has been nice.
0: It's been enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's
1: there's a bit of heat under it. It's doing all right. It's the one thing. We might get a few more weeks out of it. Are you banging something yeah. on your desk there?
0: Yeah, just having a bit of a yeah, bang, mate.
1: Edit, try and edit all those out if I can.
0: I'm just I've got these two batteries <sighs> oh, great, out of the yeah. microphone that's and I've good. been banging them.
1: Do they teach you that in radio school? To
0: ba- Something to do. Your desk. Something hell. to do with my hands, isn't it? Better than wanking. Yeah. And healthier than smoking, so
1: Right, that's it from this one then. Thanks everyone. <laughs> uh we'll be back with more Michael <laughs> next week. GTA Vendicads. Just rest.